In this video, I make zero promises and zero accusations. The naked man theory is something that was stated by Brian Kohlberger's defense as reported in the affidavit when they tried to subpoena Bethany Funk for a possible exonerating alibi. Please subscribe and hit the bell so you can join the conversation and please hit that like. Thank you. Look in the video description below to check out the links to the sources. It is high time we talked about the naked man theory. We've talked about this before, but when I talked about this before, I had it mixed up in my mind, and I'm not sure why. I had DM and Bethany Funk. Uh, DM is Dylan Mortson and Bethany Funk. Those are the two surviving roommates from the Idaho 4 massacre in Idaho. And we all know that Dylan Mortson is the one that said she went to a shock phase outside of the room where she saw this man with a ski mask on his face with these big bushy eyebrows walk right out the door, okay? And we all heard that Bethany Funk, or Funky, which I'm told is pronounced Funk, her mother is a lawyer, she clammed up, never said anything to anybody. There's very little known. There's been a little bit reported. I'm going to show you the evidence that I do have, and we're going to talk about the naked man theory. And we all know that right before there was a grand jury, and they changed it into a secret grand jury where none of the evidence was played, shown to us, but they had enough that they felt, and you don't know what it is, all right? It's, it's more than was on the arresting affidavit, all right? You don't know what it is. It, it doesn't matter if you think you do or not. None of us know yet, okay? Some people think that there's a lot more criminating things on there than what is left to the public. All of this is being kept really close to the chest by law enforcement. Unfortunately, it's causing a lot of rabid speculations of some really ridiculous things out there but let me show you what we what i what i have here and it'll, it'll remind you too so if you look at let me pull this up real quick and we'll talk about the funky man the funky naked man theory share it with you right now so right here as you can see this came out from the mirror a fine fine journalistic organization Again, this came out in April 25th. The surviving roommate in the University of Idaho stabbings has begged not to appear at the suspect's hearing. Bethany Funk, 21, the one whose mother's a lawyer, the, the one like her mother swooped in and sh nobody's talking about Bethany Funk. Nobody. One of the two survivors, Miss Funk, allegedly heard allegedly all this is allegedly heard or witnessed things which could potentially exonerate the suspect all right that is speculation that's a wild ass theory a wild ass speculation if you will but we're going to come to the part that's not investigator richard batani who's working for ann taylor lawyer has subpoenaed mrs funk to appear at the accused killer's hearing on june 28th that didn't happen because i had a secret grand jury she was never called to testify there was no hearing now, on the affidavit, it said, 
she allegedly witnessed a naked man on the affidavit. This was on the affidavit. She allegedly witnessed a naked man run through a rear sliding door. She lived on the first floor of the home and came face to face with the alleged killer. All right. But she came naked man theory. Who is the naked man? Who is the funky naked man? That's what people are saying. Was it Brian Kohlberger? Maybe. Maybe they just need to give us more information. She's allegedly to have heard or saw things which could clear the suspect, as Mr. Batoni argued will be a critical witness. Mr. Kohlberger's lawyers claim Miss Funk has exculpatory evidence, information that is material and necessary to the alleged killer's defense. If she refused to appear, she could face a potential fine of $500, 25 days. She agreed to meet with the defense. She agreed, but it didn't happen because of the secret grand jury indictment, which the defense came later and said that it wasn't lawful, which their argument to me looked like complete and utter bullshit, saying that they should have had evidence Beyond a shadow of a doubt, instead of just he could have done this, which has never been the letter of the law or the interpretation of the law, but they argue that Judge Judge had the ability to do that, and he said no. So what do we have here? Well, so far, we have the them going full throttle with a secret grand jury that none of us can know about what they talked about. We have the DNA genetic witness supposedly being harassed by the, the FBI. I've later heard that she's recanting some of her testimony. The FBI actually, after she was on the stand and she was testifying, they went and talked to her. I was like, Hey, what are you doing? Matter of fact, Ann Kohlberger's filing some new paperwork about how witnesses, after they testify, are going to be treated from now on in this case. It's very interesting. Did you hear about this naked man theory? Are we ever going to hear about this naked man theory? What is this exculpatory evidence? I'm going to leave, I'm going to leave, and I don't normally do this, but I will this time. I'm going to put the article link in the notes below. I want to know what you think. Do you think Bethany Funk really has information about this. She's not talking about it because maybe she was doing some illegal things like maybe she was using some kind of drugs. You know, a lot of people are calling this racist. They are. I mean, they're saying there's white girls murdered. There's a white man that did it. It's national news. And you have some students that didn't call until eight hours later. The police didn't show up until 12 hours later. And supposedly they were on drugs. Maybe there was some drug evidence they're getting rid of. I don't know. People are saying this. If they were black, would they have been treated different? I don't know. These are questions that just boggle my freaking mind. I want to know what you think about it. I want to know if you think that Funk has more information that she's giving out. Do you think it's okay? Because Perhaps these girls didn't have anything to do with it other than they were doing things that were unlawful that they shouldn't have been doing. So they needed some time to think about it. Somebody needed to call their lawyer parents. All right. What about the phone calls made? It does say in the affidavit that Bethany Funk's uh, phone was taken and that Dylan Mortz's phone was taken and they know where they called or not. Okay. I remember seeing uh, 
documentary on Idaho for, I believe it was, I believe it was 48 hours. So I'm going to see if I can find that. And in that, they were talking about all the people that knew about the murder that happened and how it was going around campus before it happened. So I'm going to try to find that clip and we'll talk about that later. Thank you for watching. If you want to call me and let me know what you think about this, I'd really appreciate it. Phone number is 325-261-0892, 325-261-0892. You're always free to email me, midnightrad.io101 at gmail.com. That is midnightrad.io101 at gmail.com. Hey, check out a radio station. Why don't you? You can go to iHeartRadio. Download the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn app, Android, or Apple, and you can look for Midnight Radio and Favorite. It will be there for you. If you like true crime and you like awesome music, then you can't go wrong with that when you're not watching YouTube. Check that out. You can, you can even listen to it in your car as you're driving. Until next time, all my best. All right, there's a warning to this video. It's very disturbing to me. It's not necessarily graphic, but it's very disturbing to me. We're going to go over... BTK's drawings and how they're trying to find his victims. They're trying to find their remains. Today, we're going to go over that. I think that you might be able to help. I know I'm from this general area that he committed these crimes in, and I know some of you are too. Maybe some of this will ring a bell to you. Go ahead and subscribe and hit that bell to join the conversation and hit that like button so this information can get out. We have some 3D renderings, some AI to make the pictures that btk drew more lifelike maybe that can help i don't know how else to put this this is a person that absolutely deserves no respect they don't deserve a death with dignity i've never heard read or met anybody this disgusting in my whole life and I know there are out there. Maybe it's just my personal opinion. Even so, more so this week. And I'm talking about BTK or buying, torture, and kill. Dennis Rader. Now, we were given some pictures last week that he drew. The cops got at the time they arrested him. I believe it was 2007. That he drew of his victims. And they re-released these to the public for the first time, seeing if we can identify who is in these pictures. And I'm going to welcome you to do that. I'm going to show you the pictures at the end of what I'm going to show you right now. Um, You know, when a murderer confesses, especially a serial killer, I've seen it 100% of the time, without fail, they will not confess everything. There's certain things that are taboo, even for serial killers, and that is um, little children attacking and putting away little children. That is beyond despicable. It almost seems like women are fair game, but not children, especially not in prison. So being the low coward that he is, even though he talked about these in his notes and it was pretty specific about some things, and we're going to get into that right now, he will not cop to who it is. First thing we're going to watch is an interview with his daughter, who I used to have, I'll be honest with you, a low opinion of. It seemed to me that, and again, I was not right, but it seemed to me at the time that she was trying to cash in on her father's name. 
of being a serial killer to jumpstart her writing career. Ladies and gentlemen, I couldn't have been more wrong, and I have no problem with admitting my mistake, although I kept it to myself. Still. So first off, I'm going to play a video of her talking. Dear girl, Banfield and News Nation, then we're going to go over these pictures that she's talking about, and they believe that they found one of the people from the pictures. And then I have something something very alarming to me, but it might help. And people on Twitter were posting the pictures, but they had AI make them real. So I'm going to show you those too. After your lady, Banfield. Live to discuss these. Carrie, you've seen a lot more of these pictures than, than we have. You've seen a lot, a lot of pictures uh, that the public has never seen. I'm going to tell you what I saw when I looked at this video. Um, she looks a lot like her father. She knows that. We know that. But as she's talking to Ashley Banfield here, you'll see um, she has ticks to her. And I heard her in another interview where she talked about having PTSD. I do believe she has PTSD. Me as someone who has PTSD, I believe she's also used it and she's had therapy too and is driving her, her, a little bit of her driving force to do what she's doing. And I think what she's doing should be commended. Check this out. We're seeing, what haven't we seen? Can you describe for me what you've seen that we haven't? Oh, um, good evening, Ashley. Um, this is probably only about a handful of pictures. Um, when I uh, flew into Osage, uh, they started showing me all of my dad's records. Uh, there's probably about 200 bondage photos that my dad's taken. Um, it's really important first to note, to note that they're taken by my father. They're Polaroids. Uh, he uses a cord. He came up with a system. He carried this. All right. So they're going to talk about his personal bondage pictures that he took about himself. And every little detail he took in his bondage pictures was a detail of how he of what he did to one of his victims. So that should be noted. And the importance of that is to realize the little details that are in the colored pictures that he drew that we're going to go into after this. Stuff around. He did these at hotels. He did these in churches that he broke into. He did them in our church. He did them in my home when we were gone. Um, He actually did one in my um, college dorm room when I was in her college dorm room when she was in college. Her and her mother was away for the day, and he was in there for whatever reason. Perhaps he said he didn't feel good. Well, apparently he just wanted to play with himself in pantyhose. I was out shopping with my mom in August of uh, 98. You can match what he's doing with um, his journals. Um, he's digging. So what we what the public is not. I think that was particularly creepy, don't you? thing is is evidence right now in these cases because he's reenacting actual crime scenes and we're trying to match up now um, missing persons and um, by the way he's wearing the clothing of his victims murdered with possibly these photos and he's wearing victims clothing in some of these and you can match them with timeline and so we're seeing like in Garber's case uh, she we believe was murdered or at least dumped on Halloween in 1990 a few days later he goes and does a big bondage in a church in um, West Wichita um, and we believe based on his bondage choices in that photo that he's a series too, where he's reenacting several things that happened to a victim and he's wearing bindings that match Garber. And then, there, and then there's a blanket that's missing from Garber. And we think it was under dad on that bondage. And he literally had that blanket in our house and then he took it camping and he literally covered me with that blanket when I. 
All right, I'm going to stop it right there. And you can see that this is visibly bothering this woman. It is shaking this woman. It is disturbing this woman. She is helping law enforcement, and she is... How is she doing it? Well, she's talking to them about where she she and her father camped out at different times. She talks about how her father would always make comments about old barns and how he liked old barns. And he would stop and look at old barns. He even joked with his wife, hey, you know, when we retire, maybe we could live on a farm and we can have a nice old barn. Well, apparently he was doing things in these barns. Okay, let me go ahead and read this to you. And this is... The women depicted in a drawing, a woman depicted in a drawing by BTK serial killer has possibly been identified. Osage County Sheriff's Eddie Verdon would not disclose further details on the possible idea of the woman who was depicted in one of the drawings as wearing green and being bound in a barn. I will show you right now. And I will show you the computer-generated life-like images after we read this. And he said his team is pouring through very, very good tips from the public regarding possible additional victims following uh, CNN's reporting on Raiders' detailed colored drawings of the barns of female victims. Uh, this is from my part of the country, but is not from my era. Maybe some of you I've talked to who you live in the same area I do might have some information about this. With the help of experts, you want to see this blown up? There you go. Now, he had this picture, and it almost seems to me like their age, as young as they look in the photos, isn't as young as they were in real life. They might have been a little bit older, but this is the way he saw it. With the help of experts, his team believes a few rare color images among hundreds of sketches and Raiders' belongings may depict more crimes he committed, not only in Oklahoma, but also Kansas and Missouri. We have a lot of follow-ups to do, of course, he goes on. Raider played guilty to 10 murders that took place from the 1970s to the 1990s. These are the ones I think they only had them dead to rights on. Here's some of the other women that are missing and they think, they think might be related. Authorities have said they believe the killer may have buried 16-year-old Cynthia Don Kinley. And again, I think he's changing the hair colors on his drawings. Perhaps one of these poor victims. They still haven't recovered their bodies yet. And Raider won't cop to it. His daughter went there to talk to him. She hadn't talked to him for 10 years. And, and she was asking them about these specific cases. And he was giving bullshit lies and excuses about where he was at the time, which was co contrary to what his daughter actually knew about the truth from the time. So she just told him to go to hell and she walked away. So I'm never going to talk to you again. This is over. And she hadn't talked to him for 10 years before that. Although the investigators were recently able to track down the deputy who took the phone call, somebody anonymously called saying that the teen's body could be found in an old barn. And that's why they think Cynthia Don was one of them. They could never find the barn. But Raider was known for playing cat and mouse games, you see. Here's another one. Osage County investigators believe the sketch could be linked to a missing woman last seen in southeast Kansas in 91. We know from things that Dennis said on this exact photograph that it was a drawing he created from an actual barn. Another color drawing depicts a female victim bound to gag in a red top. 
The third drawing in black ink shows an angle. Let me go ahead and show you this. These are very disturbing. He took uh, extra time to draw the fear in their eyes. This sick, sick, sick man. Last month, Verdon's team uncovered what Raider called a hidey hole. This is why they were searching his house, containing new evidence not previously discovered by law enforcement on the lot that was once his family home. Bondage materials were among the recovered items. And again, you can see here that there is bondage material right beside this drawing of the victim he did. City officials demoed, demolished the house in Park City, Kansas in the years after his arrest, but the reinforced hole, according to Verdon, remained intact nearly two feet underground. Raider himself led the investigators back to the scene. Vader's team uncovered a letter he wrote in 08 from prison describing items he hid under the floor of a shed behind the home. Now, Osage County investigators hope state and federal agencies will intervene in the process to help process the evidence that could still contain DNA to connect the serial killer to the unsolved cases or rule them out or rule him out as a suspect. They also hope to test trophies covered in 05, matching the description of items last seen with the victims in the unsolved cases. Now, let me show you this. So I told you, yeah, this is computer-generated images right here of the victims. Maybe you knew somebody that looks like this. Very disturbing. I tell you, it makes if you if you had your hands on him, if I had him in front of me. Now again, this is AI, so there's going to be things that don't match. It's very beyond beyond disturbing, if you ask me. Um, let me see here. I'm going to show you the next one. Maybe you can recognize some of these people. This is the girl in green. Very disturbing. This is his drawing of her. And this is the AI's drawing of, or rendering of her, rather. They got the eyes right. The color of the hair, he might have changed. I don't know. AI put shoes on her. He didn't have shoes on her. The bindings are different. Maybe it helps. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. And here's the final one here. These all, they believe, took place in real places. These are real barns. Maybe there's some little hint. But I'll tell you what, it sure is disturbing. It is very disturbing. Count me disturbed. I swear. Dennis Raider is a sick man, sick man. I mean, and there's so much we don't know. So it's going to have to be somebody that, I mean, look, just the stories that are coming out in the news, you don't have enough information to go on. You would have to have been a place and a time and nobody's been recovered. Somebody went missing. 
and there's a lot of barns, and you have to be from this general area, I think. So it's going to be hard for someone to come forward and, and talk about this. Guys, let me know what you think. Do you think that, that – have you seen anybody that looks like this or that disappeared at the time, first of all? Second of all, do you think that they can actually – have the public step in and help and why are they bringing this out now to us when they've had this for so long these are the questions i have uh, i'd like to have a conversation with you about it phone number is 325-261-0892 leave me up to three minute voicemail message you can email me midnightrad.io101 at gmail.com uh you might be interested in checking out our radio station more information on midnightrad.io until next time all my best we're going to talk about Danny Masterson's sentence today. I want to know what you think about it. Do you think he was given too much time, or do you think that he wasn't really involved and they're just going after him for money? They do have civil suits. I want to know what you think. Go ahead and subscribe and hit the bell so you can join the conversation. And please throw a dog a bone and hit that like button. We need to talk about Danny Masterson. You remember who he is, don't you? Well, he's an actor known best for playing Stephen Hyde on that 70s show. He was just sentenced just now to 30 years to life in prison. On September 7th, for forcibly taking advantage of, with a hard R, two women after being found guilty in a retrial earlier this year. This is some serious stuff. Los Angeles Superior Court Judge Charlene F. Omadal. Charlene handed down the sentence to the 47-year-old actor after the two women Masterson was convicted of taking advantage of address the court. The actor's brother, Malcolm in the Middle star, Chris Masterson, do you remember who? And actress Lee Remy, a former Scientologist turned activist, were in the courtroom for the sentencing. Matter of fact, who is Chris Masterson? Let me look, at, look that up. The oldest brother in Malcolm in the Middle. Very interesting. I wonder if that's his rule here. He was first arrested in 2020 and charged with taking advantage of three women in separate incidents between 01 and 03. The actor who pleaded not guilty and previously denied all the allegations against him was later released after he posted bond on his $3.3 million bill. His first trial began in October 2022, which was declared a mistrial in November after his jury was unable to reach a final verdict on three counts. After seven attempts and a week-long break for Thanksgiving, the decision was further complicated by two of his jurors testing positive for the public pandemic that was going around. A second jury found him guilty of two counts, but remained deadlocked on the third count in a subsequent retrial in May 2022. Masterson did not testify during the trial, but his wife, actress Bijou Phillips, did you know he's married to Bijou Phillips, reportedly let out a cry in the courtroom when the verdict was read. Although not directly involved, the Church of Scientology had a heavy presence in both trials as Masterson and the women involved were all members of the church. When the assaults occurred, in addition to the trial, the women also filed a civil lawsuit against the church and Masterson in August of 2019, which alleges that the actor stalked them after they reported his crimes to police. That case is still going. Masterson, of course, he starred in that 70 show for all eight seasons between 98 and 2006. Hasn't done much after that. He is the only member of the original cast who did not appear on the Netflix reboot of that 70s show. 
He also starred on Netflix's The Ranch, but was fired after the allegations were first made. In 2017, he was written off the show. Now, you want to know what his brother looks like, so I guess I'll show you. Let me bring this up for you. His brother was on Malcolm in the Middle. His name is Chris Masterson, not to be confused with his brother that just got charged for 30 years, Danny Masterson. Now, we all know that, of course, a there's going to be an appeal. There's going to be many appeals, but he got 30 years, guys. This is his brother. He played the oldest brother in Malcolm in the Middle, which is odd because it seemed like he was balding then. So where did this hair come from? I don't know. I'm just saying. Thank you for tuning in. If you have a comment or question, something you want to share with me, the phone number is 325-261-0892, or you can email me at midnightrad.io101 at gmail.com. That is midnightrad.io101 at gmail.com. Until next time, all my best.